This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley-Brewer on Talk Radio. Andre Walker is joining me. He's a columnist at the New York Observer. He nearly always cheers us up. But I'm wondering, Andre, if even even you, this has finally got to. Well, it's really funny. I, as you know, do a little bit of presenting on talk radio. And and very brilliantly, by the way. Thank you very much. You're not too bad yourself. Um, I I interviewed a Conservative MP who'd been quite a sceptic about the lockdown. And what he said now is, we've got to forget all this. We are never going to persuade them to end this lockdown until we finished vaccinating all the elderly and vulnerable people. So I think now people like me who weren't that keen on this whole idea have just got to say, okay, get on with it. But by the middle of February, we really do want you to start opening this country back up again. Um, But that's not going to happen because the goalposts keep being moved. And this is this is my this is my really big issue with this is that we were told, you know, oh, the vaccine was the game changer. And I'm like, I mean, I mean, anyone listening on that morning, I mean, genuinely, I'm, I'm, I felt tearful. I think everyone did about this. I mean, OK, they've got the anti-vaxxers. I'm sorry, I've got no time for the anti-vaxxers. I, I, I think you're lunatics. Uh, I, I'm more, I was, I tell you what, I, the, the minute I was able to get my child MMR'd, I took her to get MMR'd. You, you, you're, you people are insane. Vaccinations are a wonderful thing. I understand people's concerns about a new vaccine. I understand people being concerned. Learn about it, read about it, and, you know, and, and that will reassure you. But um, I, I, th- we're told that that is the game changer. And, and there are a lot of people who really anti-lockdowns or had come round to the idea that, look, we're going to have to learn to live with this endemic seasonal virus, which is what it is now in our country. Um, and, and people like Sir Patrick Balance were saying that as long back as March. He's on video saying that that's what's going to happen. We're going to have to learn to live with it. People like me have been saying it for many, many months and you as well. But um, a lot of people sort of come round to the idea of this lockdown saying this one's different because this is, you know, we're getting the vaccine out. And once we've got the vaccine out to all the vulnerable people, over 70s, uh, vulnerable, um, seven, uh, by mid-February, at that point, 88% of deaths are accounted for by those people. At that point, well, of course, we're going to come out of lockdown restrictions. The government has categorically stated that is not what's going to happen. I mean, they, they've literally told us that's not what's going to happen. So why on earth, even when they tell us it's going to happen, it doesn't happen. When they tell us it's not going to happen, why are people believing we're coming out of restrictions in a few weeks' time? Well, there's been consistent mission creep, hasn't there? I mean, the first Mm. lockdown was about the NHS preparing. And to be honest with you, I thought, yeah, okay, get those Nightingale hospitals ready. That's probably quite a sensible thing to do. Then the next thing was, well, look, there's been a a spike in the number of infections within the population. Let's have another lockdown. And now it's kind of, let's have a lockdown just kind of effectively permanently. But one of the things on vaccines that I think is really, really important, I do believe that we've got to offer people in the developing world 
world vaccines as well. Yes. And I personally would prioritize an elderly or vulnerable person in uh, in the developing world over myself for a vaccine. So I don't necessarily think that we should move directly from our elderly and vulnerable onto other people in society. I'm going to disagree with you here. I, I'm, I, I'm a big fan of the nation state. I'm a massive fan of, of, of helping, uh, you know, the, the richer countries helping poorer countries. Um, and, 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 and particularly the fact the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine being developed and being sold at such a, you know, it's was it, £1.50 or something, £2, uh, very different yeah. from, you know, 28 quid for Moderna. Um, this is a vaccine that, that can be transported. It was developed, you know, to be able to be used uh, in poorer countries uh, where they, you know, they don't have you know, fridges and, you know, and freezers and the like. Uh, absolutely. Um, we should be helping to supply those. I think there should be a world effort to do it. Absolutely. However, no, I'm sorry, um, Britain, Britain has bought all those vaccines. We pay the British people have paid those taxes to have that work done. The, the work done with the Oxford AstraZeneca thing that's being funded partly by the British people. Um, I'm sorry, we get it first. I'm 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 going to be a nationalist on this. I'm sorry. End of. <laughs> well, I, I've I've been I've been outflanked on the right by you. It's nothing I mean, to do I'm... with right. It's nothing to do with right. It's it is it, it's really interesting. You know, again, there's people are up in arms in lots of the EU countries because they did that EU27 pact that we'd all handed out together and we'll all wait and approve it together. Well, yeah, how's that working out for you? Um, no, but this thing, there's talk about this 24/7, um, uh, you know, rolling it out 24/7 into big test centres now. <sighs> Uh, there is an argument 24-7 to, to once once it's out to everybody, you know, once it's available and, you know, you're 20 year old, you know, people are going to people are saying you, you can't get it all rolled out between eight and six in the uh, in the day. Then why not open later? I mean, I don't know why they can't open at 6 a.m., why they can't open later. The reality is that the people who are getting vaccinated right now, they are elderly people, very vulnerable people. I mean, I would happily be able to take my parents to go and get vaccinated at you know at four in the morning if that was what was necessary. But it, it, it isn't really necessary at this time we, we just need to up up the vaccinations that are going on during the day but do you think the 24 7 thing is is that more of a sort of a media demand rather than an actual need do you think I don't know. It's something that I've been complaining about for some considerable amount of time. I had a very good friend of mine whose daughter was born very prematurely and required a brain scan. And effectively, he was offered the brain scan in four weeks' time. And what he said was, he said, hang on a second, can I do it at ten past five today? And they said, no, no, no. And he said, well, what, what, what are you using the machine for at ten past five? And of course, the point he was driving at, which in the end they conceded, was the machine operated from nine to five, Monday to Friday. Yeah. And, and, you know, time and time again with the NHS, they buy cripplingly expensive equipment and operate it for yeah. very short periods of time. I, I just personally think that we should give people a choice. You yeah. can come in two weeks at two in the afternoon or tomorrow at three in the morning. Yeah. Just give people that choice. Yeah, uh, that's absolutely. I think an awful lot of people would choose the three in the morning option. Let's talk about the death data. Um, 100,000 deaths is the headline on the Guardian's front page. They're, they are, what a surprise, not using the 28-day measure. They're using the mention on the death certificate. Um, and we, that, that can be, um, you know, up to 60 days uh, uh, getting a positive test. But we also know that a huge number of the people who were COVID deaths in the first wave were people who hadn't had a test. Their tests hadn't been available. People who died at home, died in care homes. No one tested them. There was basically a presumption that if you died of symptoms that could be COVID symptoms, unless you had had a clearly negative test, and most people didn't get tested, you were put down as a COVID death. And now we've got almost the opposite issue, which is we've got everybody is tested right now. Everybody entirely. And I said death certificates will be more specific in terms of whether or not COVID was, a, was the cause of your 
your death and there was no question you'd die otherwise, or it is one of the contributing causes to your death, or it was just you had a COVID positive test, but but you actually were busy dying of lung cancer or something else at the same time and, and it didn't even hasten your death. Now, those are very, very different things. We don't know right now. Those figures are certainly not publicly available because, my goodness, I've been looking for them and I've been getting a lot of experts and data analysts and health professionals to look for them for me. Um, those, those figures aren't available in terms of being able to decide which is which. So when we talk about COVID deaths, when there's a report that says, you know, uh, 1,300 people, uh, sorry, 1,564 people have died yesterday. Okay, they didn't die yesterday. There's a reported deaths. They often go over a number of days. They're making up data from the weekend, etc. But also, there are going to be questions raised in the public inquiry as and when it happens about how we count COVID deaths. We know Public Health England was counting people who, you know, literally you got you had a COVID test that was positive. You're perfectly fine. 28 days later, you got hit by a bus. They counted you as a COVID death. Now, I'm sorry, that's ridiculous. Now, I'm not saying for a moment that's the vast majority. People are dying of COVID. It's a killer disease. It's an endemic seasonal virus. It's winter. Of course, people are dying of this horrible disease. And I make no light of it. But... The focus entirely on COVID does ignore the fact that, that you know, at this time of year, 2,000 people die every single day. And a lot, of got, them, a lot of them are respiratory diseases. We've got to be particularly careful about this. Look, I, I'm, I'm pretty staggered that we've struggled so much with statistics. Not yes. because we sh- it's not that we should have been ready for coronavirus. You know, we didn't know it was going ha- to happen. But we should have been ready in general to record uh, if there was a pandemic breakout. Um, I, I think it's extremely disturbing, particularly because of the following thing. Uh, we are now testing more people. You know, we, we want to know whether this new strain is more or less dangerous and in what respect it's more or less dangerous. And unless you've got really accurate statistics, that's really, really difficult. I get frustrated by the statistic, the number of people that have tested positive. Because, of course, the number of people that have tested positive has two axes. One of them is number of people who've got the disease, but the other is the number of tests you've conducted. Yes. And I would be much more happy if they said what percentage of people they tested well, we, had tested positive. We, we we were demanding that for quite some time, and now those statistics are available. Bill, that the positivity uh, percentage is actually is actually printed. However, it's it's much harder to find. Um, it is available in the data, but it's much harder to find, and it and it's not sort of under an obvious tab or, or on the on the data. I'm just looking for my notes. Uh, it's yeah, where you where you find it the, the, on the testing tab, the positivity rate. Um, but it is uh, it it it's, it's a they average at over seven days, so it's not sort of you know even things out so but but is there there are lots of signs that things are beginning to improve in terms of london and the southeast which was you know the epicenter of where this new variant was was, was spreading um uh and again we know we know that it's well there's a lot of evidence that has been presented that it is more easy to spread easy to transmit we have yet to see as far as I'm aware, and I've spoken to a lot of specialists in the last few years, we've yet to see um, very convincing, or certainly clear evidence that it is more deadly um, than it's, it's, it is simply spreading more. But we don't know yet. It may be more deadly. We, we, we don't know that yet. Um, but certainly we are seeing that, um, that London, the southeast, those, those, the infection rate is falling. Uh, don't know. Uh, Boris Johnson yesterday said that, uh, uh, that the lockdown measures were starting to show signs of some effect. But actually, the effect we've seen as early as the 10th of January can't possibly be the effect of the lockdown because that would be too soon. 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think, I, I personally have always felt from the outset that you've got to be sensible and you've actually got to, to, got to do things differently for different people. As yeah. I've said plenty of times, uh, my mum was self-isolating, uh, you know, long before the lockdown yep. because she was, she was vulnerable, right? So that was a sensible thing to do. Similarly, her grandchildren merrily went to school and only stopped going to school when the government mandated it. I, I actually just think this is one of those scenarios where you can't have a one-size-fits-all model you've got to send those people out to work that can work and those people that are vulnerable and elderly really need to stay at home the breakfast briefing with julia hartley brewer on talk radio if you liked what you heard please subscribe and give me a good review and don't forget to catch me on the talk radio breakfast show every weekday from 6 30 until 10 selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.